So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Axis Communications. And thanks, as always, to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Mighty and Aura. Now, my guest this week is Ali Hanna. Now, Ali is an equality, diversity and inclusion consultant who, in their words, help companies put the joy into cultural change and business training. I absolutely love that. Uh, Ali is also an award-winning comedy performer on the side quite the impressive sideline and we'll come on to that a little bit more in a moment. Now Ali has vast experience supporting senior executives and organizations on their diversity and inclusion strategy and fundamentally as Ali says change works best when people feel inspired and involved. Amen. Um, now that award-winning comedy side job involved developing their five-star show Touch Hunger, Google that one, it's debuted at uh, excuse me, Brighton Fringe, in fact, in 2021. Now, super impressive 2018. And Ali delivered a TEDx talk on gender as a performance, which has been watched over 20,000 times. Now, currently, consultancy work is mainly focused on delivering tailored equality, diversity and inclusion interventions through workshops, training and consultation on trans and non-binary inclusion, gender diversity, LGBTQ inclusion, and cultures of belonging, all terms which many of us have heard all terms which many of us need to get better as at understanding and all hugely impressive and Ali welcome thank you so much for being my guest this week thank you so much for having me Paul it's a real pleasure and what an introduction <laughs> I don't think my ego can tolerate that sort of stuff <laughs> oh I, I'm not being funny you should google yourself if, uh, if oh no never a little bit a little bit down uh, then just Google yourself. I've stopped it because apparently I was most famous in about 1989 through to 1995. So strong years, is. strong years. I mean, the very fashion cool. was was at its peak during that time. Yes, uh, fortunately, the photographs of me working for Sainsbury's home base in green dungarees, oh. jack shirt and brown tie are thin on the ground, but uh, not a pretty look. Always. They don't make uniforms like they used to, honestly. It, thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. So, um, look. Uh, huge amounts of, uh, of areas of expertise, lots that we could talk about. But come on, first off, give me an insight into your background, perhaps career to date. And what was the actual intended career? What did you want to do? I mean, there's clearly stage there, but what, what did young Ali think about peering out of the window at school? Yeah, it's a good question. I, You know what? I, If I really sort of dug deep... I'm a massive show off, Paul, and I love performance. I love comedy. I love being on stage. I love making people laugh. For me, that that feeling of 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 bringing someone just guilt free joy is the thing that gets me up in the morning. So I think Baby Alley um, grandiosity would have loved to be a Hollywood actor. Um, so I get to dip my toe in with my unique brand of uh, uh, improvised comedy, but. You know, it's good in a way because the work that I get to do now, a lot of the time I get to evoke those same feelings in people, that joy, that understanding, that connection. So hopefully people get stuff out of what I do, but also I get so much out of doing it myself. But yeah, peering into the distance as a child was definitely the stars of Hollywood, etc. And, and so so you've got those sort of uh, Hollywood hills in the sights. <laughs> How did you go from that? Uh, you know, desire, if you like, you know, what was the journey to where you are now? Because if you don't mind me saying your stock is rising and rising fast, uh, you're going up those Google rankings for sure. Um, and, but, but what was the journey to get to where you are now? 
so <laughs> I guess uh, if I was really honest with you, Paul, uh, <laughs> the intended career was probably seeing myself in Hollywood as a as a <laughs> international superstar actor. Um, but failing that, um, here I am today as a diversity and inclusion consultant, and it wasn't necessarily something I. I saw happening. I, I started my career when I when I um, attempted to escape um, London and and came to Brighton, having come out as as gay when I was sixteen. I thought that Brighton was that was the place to go to sort of kickstart my adulthood. Um, at the time, working for a, a famous retailer, and then subsequently um, moving to um, um, a financial services company, where I spent ten years um, leading managing internal communications and then subsequently moved to another organization and and during that time whilst I was doing lots of work around like I said communications I was doing executive support customer service what I found I was most passionate about was the advocacy work that I was doing for LGBT inclusion I led employee networks I also got heavily involved with mentoring I fell in love with the difference that made people's lives so come 2018 2019 I thought that the best thing I could do for myself was try and give this a go, make a business of of working with organisations to make their environments as inclusive as possible, weaving in my dreams of Hollywood stardom with my um, penchant for comedy performance, which I still do uh, as much as possible. But it really informs the work that I do through, you know, fun and joy and interaction. Hopefully nothing I do is passive. It's all about giving people the tools and confidence they need to to tackle what is quite a a, a chunky problem. And that sort of has hope, you know, brought you to the stage. And I'm thrilled that you're going to be at Retail Risk yes. Leicester uh, at the King Power Stadium in October, where you're part of uh, an amazing uh, roundtable around discussion around diversity and inclusion. And perhaps a little bit more on that and your sort of fellow guests in a minute. But I've got to ask, and I'm sorry for asking it, but can you define diversity and inclusion? Oof, yeah, I think so. I should be able to, Paul. It'd be worrying if I can't. Well, for me, diversity is about the mix, right? It's about the types of people that not only do you have inside your organisation, but also the types and variety of people that you want to connect with through the product or service that you provide. Nobody's the same. That's probably quite a straightforward statement. Um, but when we recognise that our products and services are designed to be more easily accessible to certain types of people over others, we start to run into problems. For me, inclusion, diversity is the mix. Inclusion is making that mix work. So how do we create an environment where everyone, whoever they are, whatever background they come from, whatever experience they have, when they walk into an organisation, they feel like they belong? And if you're a customer, you have equal and unhindered access to the products and services that an organization wants to, to, to give you, to sell you. So diversity for me is the mix, the variety of people. And inclusion is making them feel like they belong. And so what can an organization look like if it, to be more diverse and more inclusion? And, and I know you're saying it sort of, you know, can help customers but but why is it why is it important so i mean look if, if you, you there's no impetus for anyone to change anything they do right you know you you do you friend uh, but if you're a business leader who's thinking i want to reach new markets i want to do new things i want to solve problems in new ways it's very unlikely that you're going to find that if you continue to hire 
and promote the same people with the same outlooks, the same perspectives and the same experience. If you want those new solutions, if you want those new products, if you want to connect with new customers, then you have to have people who reflect those communities in your organization. So for me, I see all sorts of hard stuff happening when perhaps diversity is prioritized over inclusion. So if I'm somebody who's been hired because I'm different and I turn up at the organization and the environment doesn't make me feel welcome, I'm probably not going to stick around. And if I do stick around, you're not going to get the best of me. So for me, inclusion is the key that unlocks the the potential of diversity. Without inclusion, you're going to get people either come and then go or come and feel like they don't really want to put their all in. Yeah, it's interesting. Listening to you there reminds me, you know, people want inclusion, but they don't want you to be too different. And and I was looking at the at the board of of a I won't name them because uh, I might embarrass them, but uh, yeah, they're a client. I'll say that much. Uh, and they'd circulated an update on on a new board member being appoint, appointed, and it was now eleven white men, uh, all in their fifties, and one white woman. And mm-hmm. uh, I was like, not really sure uh, that's uh, entirely representative of uh, of both your market your customers and where you want to be going but um yes slight slightly scary that scared me uh looking at yeah. that thinking you know let alone somebody that's you know trying to think is this a place for me to to go and work and i guess with the the battle for talent at the minute would you say there's extra impetus for people to really take this serious uh, completely and i think particularly for diverse talent you know, you are going to be fighting with lots of other organizations to attract that talent in because people see the benefit of it. People see the the value in, in diverse talent. So when you are trying to find a LGBT senior leader or a black senior leader or a disabled senior leader, you are going to be competing with lots of other organizations. The option then becomes, and this is the hard part, this is the bit I think a lot of organizations need to get their head around, is that you need to nurture talent from entry level you need to be creating a pipeline of talent so that in 10 years time when you're looking for the senior leaders of today you're looking at people that have been within the organization for those 10 years and if they have dipped out they've dipped out temporarily to get some skills and then they've come back Mm. Um, but that requires you reaching out to communities to colleges to universities to areas of the country where those underrepresented groups are and encouraging them supporting them into the industry yeah you're right if somebody's got a 10-year tenure there they should be more vested in the organization than maybe somebody that's just recruited in um i was slightly was i was i horrified there was one of the big consultancies this week said in order to expand the pool of talent coming into our organization uh, we'll now accept a 2.2 degree as well as a 2.1 and a first and it was like, woo-hoo. even I looked at that and went, is that really a press release? Is that not embarrassing? Do you not just keep quiet on that? It's really, I mean, you know, we, we've seen such change over the last two and a half years. I think some necessary changes happened to the way the which, uh, you know, the workforce expects to be able to work. I, I think it's really empowering. I, I certainly think that for for disabled people, for people with caring or parental responsibility, the new, more flexible approach to work is just extraordinarily inclusive and will transform people's lives genuinely there are people who have been restricted in how they work simply because of their circumstances and that's for me that's unacceptable but creating opportunity for people to contribute in a meaningful way 
irrespective of where they're located or what responsibilities they have is is super powerful to me yeah fascinating now you know in terms of uh sort of subscribers and you know people that watch and listen to the podcast you know we've got well over eight thousand individuals embedded within businesses around the world and i'm going to ask you in a moment for a piece of advice mm. for how they might want to get started on diversity inclusion d and i um but before i do i'll give you 30 seconds to think about that we're just going to hear quickly from our sponsors and then we'll be back for every type of business the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. So welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast. I am, of course, still talking to Ali Hanna. Now, um, just before that brief break there, I asked for maybe some uh, advice on how uh, people could get started on the diversity inclusion piece. Uh, and so on the spot, what is your Give me one, two, three pieces of advice for how people can start on that journey. It's probably quite a tricky one to suggest, but I think the the first thing that anyone engaging with this topic has to do is admit that they're not perfect. There is, I think there's a real pressure for us to, to be seen as perfect, to be high performing, to avoid failure. And I get that. However, if we pretend that there isn't a challenge here, then we're never, ever, ever going to tackle the problem. So I think what I would encourage leaders in large organisations to do is to not sit back and go, you know what, I don't want to see what's happening here because it might be too scary, is to really open up and look at what's happening around them. Who is around them? Who do they mentor? Who mentors them? Who do they sponsor? Who sponsors them? Who do they go to for advice? Whose books do they read? If everything that they surround themselves with is someone who looks or sounds just like them, then there may be an opportunity to shift that. There may be an opportunity to open that up and think about how can I diversify the people that I'm engaging with? Because those small actions will help role model the behaviors you're looking to see. And dare I say it, once you've come to terms with the fact that there might be progress to make, is either engage your internal team. So you've got a DNI team, you've got an HR team, you've got a talent people team or someone like me, if you're so inclined, um, can come in from outside and, and support you in getting this journey right. Because I see lots of organisations with great intentions who put diversity before inclusion. And I fear that if you put diversity before you get your inclusion right, you, you risk all of those problems that I mentioned earlier. For me, the critical thing is get your house in order, get your culture in order before you start inviting diverse talent in, because then you'll keep them and you'll keep them for a long time. And I'm guessing uh, in terms of resources to back up that, there must now be case studies out there. Uh, in fact, as I, to, at, at the end of the day, businesses, even if you are just pure 100% capitalist and you've got no interest in anything other than improving the bottom line, being more diverse and more inclusive has to get the cash register ringing more, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe so. I mean, I, I almost think we're past that point now. I don't really see the value in me you know, going on about the financial or, you know, triple bottom line or, or or profit associated with diversity. I think it's it's an obvious point now. You know, there's no way an organization, very rarely is an organization completely successful off the back of one product. You know, it's sell one type of pen with black ink uh, and hope that they're going to take over the world. They sell a variety of pens in a variety of colors, different sizes, different types of ink, um, different marketing um, demographics. And that's how they're successful. 
It's the same with people. If you have the same type of person in your organization, carbon copies over and over again, you are not diversifying your biggest asset, which is your people. And diverse people are going to give you diverse perspectives, reach new people. And quite frankly, I think everybody has a better time along the way as well. And, and actually, I think just as you were saying that, I'm pretty sure, and it's not, I think it's one of the investment banks, it might be Goldman's, maybe we had a, a year, 18 months ago, they actually changed their, I don't know if it's a direct change or, but their preference or they will only invest in businesses that come forward that, I, I don't know how diverse it has to be, but I think they've just said, if it's an all male board that you're bringing to us, forget it. You know, we know that a degree of diversity on the board and, you know, they're just interested in the return, but they know that investing in a business with a diverse board and a diverse leadership team will give a greater return, a greater chance of success than that traditional uh, background. So I guess, you know, if, if, if sort of investment banks are going down that route, then, you know, it's got to cascade down, surely. Absolutely. And 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 groupthink is a real thing. We, we like to surround ourselves with people who agree with us. You know, as much as we, we might reject that idea, it's inherently what keeps us safe. So we do that. And if we're surrounding ourselves with people who simply agree with us because that's what's done, the likelihood is that mistakes aren't going to get picked up on. And that presents risk, right? So no wonder investment banks are looking at the diversity of the board as, a, as spreading the risk. Mm. It's got to be the sense. Um, just very quickly, is there any, uh, I mean, obviously people can talk to you and there's others around, you know, in terms of good things to do, but in terms of resources to lean on, is this, is there really so much out there, you know, I can Google it and sort of find out some case studies or is there a, this is where you should go kind of thing? Honestly, I, I, I couldn't even begin to offer you which resource I think like you said do some research yourself and find what resonates you know the, the publications internationally that, that that demonstrate how this stuff works from market to market I'm aware that you know my area of focus is Europe you know even in Europe we see different challenges and different opportunities whether that's linguistic or legislative um, that allow us to make progress in, in you know in in various various degrees and I think the the critical thing is that you open your eyes to it in your own organization and you find what resonates with you and, and if something particularly interests you find that research diversify what you read genuinely I can't recommend that enough if you've only got books by you know straight white men on your shelf which you may or may not have then maybe think about reading a book written by somebody else and especially leadership books because then you get this fantastic differing perspectives of somebody who's perhaps has had a slightly different uh, career journey to yourself Yes, if you're like somebody I know that only has books written by Donald Trump and Jeremy Clarkson. If you're listening, you know who you are. You need to burn <laughs> yeah, them. I mean, um, that that's the thing. Like We are a product of what we absorb. We're like, you know, human sponges. So just be aware you, you are what you eat um, and you are what you read, I think. Yeah. So look, um, I took it to the outset. You're going to be uh, joining us at Retail Risk Leicester, uh, 6th of October at the King Power Stadium. Um, what what can people expect? What's going on there on on the day? Yeah, well, we're really ex I'm I'm personally really excited to be on a panel of extraordinary humans who are making real differences in the industry in their various positions and organisations. And we're going to be talking about diversity and inclusion generally, but also 
asking these experts exactly what are the obstacles that are facing the industry and and suggestions on how they can be overcome i'll then be linking that in with some of the like you said discourse around diversity and inclusion some of the objectives that organizations are, are looking to achieve ultimately matching words to actions so good words lovely love a nice word but the reality is they're almost meaningless without without tangible action so the panel will be an opportunity for for the audience to hear from industry experts what challenges are being faced from DNI perspective and what can be done to overcome them and then there'll be an opportunity for the audience to raise their own um, questions and observations as to what's facing them in their job and what they want to achieve through greater diversity and inclusion. Yeah I know we've got uh, you know some terrific insight from sort of uh, you know Boots and Primark and some others about the work that they've done and the real benefit within that business. We've got hundreds of retailers registered for the event already. And it was a, a terrific one. We have something called the Fraud Awards in the evening, which is a 550 person black wow. tie celebration of all things good in uh, uh, from the vendor and retailer side as well. So really thrilled that, uh, that, that you're going to be there and sharing your insight on it. I have to ask you one Final question, I guess, uh, and you know there will be a number of people in my shoes listening to this and watching this. How could I best help as a white male in this industry to support the culture change? I can see it's needed. It clearly is needed. But what's the best thing that I could do? I think dig deep. I think there's such restrictive language around being a straight white male not this not being your world it is your world and now I'm not asking you to mine your own trauma ball a pool but um <laughs> I'm sure there's been a point in your career or your life where you haven't felt included where you felt for whatever reason as an outsider and I'm sure much as my experience was it wasn't very comfortable and it wasn't a good feeling it didn't bring out the best in you so I, I implore everyone to dig deep and reflect on their own experience of what it feels like to be excluded, to remind them why this stuff is so important. This is a real feeling that we want to avoid, avoid in other people. So if you know what it feels like to be excluded, you'll understand immediately why this work matters so much in that our efforts to include people, it's not just, you know, a nice thing to do. It, it impacts people's self-worth, their self-esteem, and their performance. And in a world where we're fighting for talent and we are trying to support employees with difficult symptoms around stress and burnout, making sure that they feel like they belong is by far one of the most effective tools we have to keep them okay. And that for me makes all of this worth it. That sense of, of eliminating feelings of exclusion, creating a feeling of belonging so that people can be the best they can be. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've all been in a team which has been on its A game um, uh, and, and the feeling of being involved in that environment. And I guess why, you know, there's no reason why everybody within the organisation shouldn't have the opportunity to, to be in that team. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, absolutely terrific way to say. And I'm so thrilled that, uh, that you're going to be on a stage uh, you know, leading the uh, uh, the discussion at Retail Risk Leicester. But for now, Ali, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much indeed. And we'll see you uh, very soon indeed. Thanks, Paul. Mm -hmm.